Thanks very much, Pete. Got Craig on the line here. Craig, how's it going? Your thoughts on uh, Vancouver or other cities uh, and, the, and the politics of what's going on here? Uh, this is absolutely amazing. What an ecstatic thing to wake up to. George, 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 I think you need to tell us how you really feel about this. How you really feel about a rogue group of fools hijacking your former party and running off and doing this and... Well, I'm agnostic, I'm agnostic, but I will say I've always been clear uh, when I was in office, and I think it's in something that's important to me as a, as a person, is uh, is that things shouldn't happen in the back rooms of, of politics. It's not a good look, uh, and I think this is definitely the case, and I don't think uh, it, it, it doesn't air very well in the, in the community, I don't think, so I'm with you on that. This is, I, I, this is incredibly laughable. Cooper is a horrible choice. No charisma. I mean, I'm I'm happy for it. I want to see the party sink as hard as possible. Um, All right, Craig. We got to go to a break. Ouch! I, thanks very much for that. Uh, hopefully, uh, well, John, if you're listening, the, the review one reviews in. The Camby Report was produced and recorded on the traditional and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. It is April 5th, 2021, and there are 558 days until the Vancouver municipal election. This is the Camby Report. I'm Matthew Naylor. I'm Ian Bushfield. It's a special emergency episode. It's a special emergency episode. What an exciting thing to be reporting on. We didn't think we'd have to do these until next spring. Yeah, but instead, democracy died at some point during the last seven days. Precisely when is going to be uh, hotly debated, of course, during this episode, but we urge you to, you know, in lieu of flowers, send, I, I don't know, your condolences to Melissa DiGenova, amongst others, on the death of her dearly beloved democracy. But, of course, we come to you today with a plea for our picture. <laughs> Sorry, this is this is very funny news, and it is it is of course that John Cooper has been announced as the NPA candidate for mayor, well ahead of schedule, just this morning. Ian, what yeah, what the hell is going on? Just over eighteen months prior to the municipal election, five hundred and fifty-eight days, in fact. I think we tried to figure out when the nomination happened last in. 2018 for the NPA because they did actually have a runoff and we'll get into that but it was much much later it was yeah late fall it was under a year before not a year and a half yeah because the the Bremner Bremner apocalypse happened in October because it was during Thanksgiving like it was that weekend and it was within a couple of weeks that they had sorted everything out and it was clear that Sim was going to be the candidate. So I, I am astounded that they have decided to jump the gun like this and I'll, I'll share why, but why don't we give people a rundown of who exactly this person is. This is John Cooper. Yeah, so the announcement came out on a press release from the board of the NPA and we've talked about them many times in the past 
number of episodes. But John Cooper is the current one of the current park board commissioners, one of two current park board commissioners for the nonpartisan association. He's a former president of the courier company Novex Delivery Solutions, which I didn't actually know. I know him as the guy who saved the Bl- Bladell Conservatory. Yes, he really wanted you to know that he saved the Bloedel Conservatory. But now he'll save the city. Yeah, and in a very particular way. So one thing that we have been in particular covering with respect to his positions is he is dead set against a temporary bike lane through Stanley Park. It is with like basic... I don't know what the word is like. I, I can't really look favorably or unfavorably on any of the decisions. He's he's very non-controversial. I will I will say, and so I think that might have been one of the key factors that led to his selection. Anyway, what has happened? He has been nominated by the MPA board. They note that this is not the first time that this has happened, or even that unusual for the MPA. And they they noted, of course, that successful mayoral candidates Suzanne Anton and Kirk Lapointe were also appointed without consultation. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. No, I was. I'm just being told that they were not not elected as mayor. They did run very strident anti-bike lane campaigns, as far as I remember. Yeah, and that, of course, is the issue that has motivated Vancouverites and is, of course, most salient, not housing or transport, cost of living, or any of the, you know, basket of things that makes living in the city such a joy. When? When is very strange. This timeline doesn't line up, and... Now I, I think it's time for a little bit of baseless speculation, but why do you think the MPA board has decided to do this? So we've talked recently a few times, and it's been widely covered by the TAI, by the Vancouver Sun, by many outlets, that the current composition of the board of the NPA is not what one would typically think of of the most successful political party in Canada over its history, like it's been around longer and has won more elections than most parties can claim to. It's generally a moderate, centrist, business-friendly party that just tries to manage the city for capital. And it does it reasonably. But in the past few months, or even the last couple of years, since it fell apart pretty much right after the last election, there was what's been described as a takeover by a number of individuals associated with various more reactionary politics, more right-wing politics, whether it's rebel media or pro-Trump stuff or stuff like that. That board has power right now, and they can, under their constitution, name who gets to be the mayoral candidate. My thinking for for them deciding to both fire early and for choosing Cooper is if they pick now, stave off the worry about an upcoming AGM where if they all lose their seats they didn't get to pick someone and by picking Cooper they've managed to pick someone who's like the least offensive to most of the NPA's base this is someone who's moderately well known in the party within Vancouver politics you know he's the white bread of the party he's like the most stereotypical NPA candidate you could imagine it reduces the risk of a splinter of a more moderate or some other party splitting off. There's been a lot of talk of Ken Sim wanting to run his own campaign, 
which could be quite disastrous for the right. Mark mm-hmm. Marison has been thrown around as someone considering a run. Colleen Hardwick, supposedly, I've heard multiple times, has a big team trying to run a very strong NIMBY campaign. By putting Cooper out very early and as the de facto choice, you kind of kill all of those other options. Yeah. Potentially. It's, well, it's possible. I mean, municipal politics is the land of hubris, though. So I, I feel like we're still going to see campaigns from maybe all of those people, because why not? It's Ken Sim was in the Vancouver Sun today saying there may or may not be a party that is going to form that I may run for. Well, that is fascinating, and I, I wonder what that could be. I, I wonder what's happening with the parties happen- that, uh, that are left over from the last election. Like, we haven't heard from, from Yes Vancouver for a while, though I know that they still exist. And pro-Vancouver and... Coalition? Coalition Vancouver? Vancouver? Man, you know, they made such a searing political mark on our, our zeitgeist. I can't even remember their names. Oh, yeah, and First Vancouver. Oh, right. There was that one other one. Yeah, I think that's all. There, other than the, like, 30 other independent candidates who ran. Yeah, yeah. Those, no comment on those. But, so, like, what is the point of having radical politics? I'm just curious. What is the point of having radical politics if you're just going to choose the most milk toast candidate like what what is the point of having politics if you like put someone forward who you don't really agree with unless you do really agree with it unless we like either they're they're happy to have john cooper because he is a secret reactionary which like to all indicators he is not you know he is on the conservative side of things but even among the current npa caucus you have like fraser ballantyne on the school board who had some controversial comments about students of color during the debates over policing. Mm-hmm. Like if they wanted someone controversial or reactionary, that might be the angle they could have gone for. I do wonder if Cooper was the like, as you were kind of alluding to there, the most conservative of the current NPA caucus. He did yeah. notably sign on to the letter that every elected NPA member signed saying the board needs to not be so radical which now, he doesn't talk I, about a lot now i today. have a sudden other theory this is how quickly we are are spitballing here the the hardwick campaign whether or not it exists may have scared them into doing this so like this might actually be an internal mpa ball game eve hardwick was looking like she had the power to overwhelm the board in the next election with a strongly conservationist rather than, you know, the more, a more NIMBY versus YIMBY slate of people who were socially more moderate, but anti-development, which actually I, I would tend to think that this board is the opposite of. This board is, I would say, probably pretty pro-capital and very socially kind of reactionary, which is why for example, some former people from Yes Vancouver are on it. Like, that does check out for me. It makes sense. The rumors I've been hearing are there have been a lot of Team Hardwick or Team Colleen meetings happening, Zoom calls and whatnot, and it's a who's who of people who hate development in the city, but I don't have the confirmation or of a that. Or party to get invited to. <laughs> and so if she did pose a threat to 
the board's makeup and if they saw this is the opportunity to just you know take that quick action here it is and now they have their guy who might not be the most populist choice that they would could have gone for in a longer effort but like why why even do it at all because if the board does flip the board can retract like i I haven't checked the mpa's governance documents specifically but like generally boards reign pretty supreme and it's not like it's not like there's there should be a way for a party to not be able to dump a candidate (laughs) vision vancouver dump its candidate in the last election by a vote of the board i believe and so I think it's just a bit of a dare. It's a it's a steeper cost to have to dump a candidate and change tax. But if they've put someone out there who's not, you know, the worst, someone who say caucus could get behind at least some of the councillors, then it raises the cost of dumping them. Yeah. Although it has been pointed out that, you know, in a caucus where all of your counts your city councillors are women and there's been a lot of talk in the last 5, 10, 20 years about maybe trying to diversify your city choosing the whitest, straightest guy in caucus may not have been the ideal choice I don't think we were coming for an ideal choice from this crowd, I'm just going to say that honestly this might be the best possible situation even for some of the other candidates who want to run because like i have no idea what the points not the point uh sorry cooper's campaigning skills are like kenson was an energetic candidate i i will give him that he just i, I think like honestly a, a better get out of the vote operation could have won him the day against stewart the there there isn't really a a populist candidate that I think would have been threatening to anyone. Like, I think it would have been the NPA effectively choosing to sit itself out. So, like, while it damages... I guess even, like, George Affleck was talking about running, though, but I think he would have run from a more socially moderate position. Yeah. Is he down from the shoe swap? I didn't... Anyway, I mean, like... I have to be perfectly candid in that like, I, I think that the mayoralty has not been particularly strongly well utilized in the last couple of years. Like, not that I think that Kennedy has been doing anything that I, I didn't like, but I just think he hasn't accomplished very much. So I'm, you know, I'm always interested in seeing what other options are, are out there for for the top seat at City Hall. I also have to wonder how this affects the calculus, the math of all the different parties. We've talked about a number of people on the center, center right, who are potentially still going to consider putting their name out there. But there's also the left who, you know, there is this center left who are probably pretty content to see Kennedy Stewart go as the flag bearer of the independence and the coalition, the rainbow coalition again, but does Cope take a mad swing at the fences again with whoever they can find? Patrick Condon was the person they were looking at doing last time, but could be him, could be 
See, and Patrick Condon would be such a, a fascinating, if, if Condon, Stewart, and Cooper, and Sim ran, it, it would it would occupy all four spaces on the, oh, and Hardwick. They, like, it would occupy all four quadrants on the, the scale of left to right conservationist to urbanist. Anyway, I, like, I, I think it's probably a bad move. To be honest, I think that if the NPA wants to win, they probably should have had a competitive nomination because that raises interest and allows the people to kind of weed out the crazy rather than you having to deflect it. If this is about a battle within the NPA, like this is a board trying to hang on for power, I get to power, I guess, and that is interesting. I don't really know how well that they've thought this through but it has been done. So I guess election season is on. It's Vancouver municipal politics, right? We've been covering this for long enough now. It's easy to just look at it and go, it's amateur hour nonstop, which yeah. is why this is so much fun to cover, right? This is why no we do is this. Playing, no one is playing three-dimensional chess here. It's, it's, it's like basic checkers happening. Yeah. And even there, they're making a lot of mistakes. So lots of it's like watching hockey at the olympics but not with canada u.s sweden you know it's watching like belarus play britain at hockey you're like yeah it's, it's fun they miss yeah. they miss their shots yeah so we all have to remember though that democracy is now dead because of course the NPA was the bastion of democracy and the vancouver district labor council has tight hold over the left, limiting how many candidates a party can run, for example. So, of course, democracy is dead, but of course, democracy died again last week. We'll keep you posted on further deaths of democracy, but City Councilor Melissa DeGenova tweeted out something. So this was as I was editing last week, I guess council was still in session and, you know, we're not always watching City Council and sometimes we're catching up by Twitter after, but Suddenly, Slack, the Slack channel starts going on fire because uh, Councillor DiGenova tweets out, in all caps, democracy died. Then in lower caps, in the capital city of, is lowercase, hashtag Vancouver is all caps tonight. Democracy died in the city of Vancouver tonight. Rest assured, the at NPA caucus fought against it. Why? Why being in all caps with two question marks, finger pointing down emoji, because it's what we were elected to do. A moratorium is opposite to what we fought for, dot, dot, remember that on election day. And then she tagged her fellow NPA counselors and hashtag Van Pauly. And this confused everyone because apparently no one was watching council that night. And in fairness, we were recording. And those who were watching it, I guess, missed this moment that happened. Well yeah, exactly. Just just as Jeff Bezos says, democracy does die in darkness. Uh, darkness being, of course, uh, a metaphor for the amount of people watching a city council meeting for a motion to limit the amount of future work that can be referred to the city staff by city council. Yeah. Democracy died because city hall killed it, and not city democracy hall. Democracy died because of a majority vote by de democratically elected representatives so it either died last night or it died today when the npa just picked their candidate well this was the last this is the last gasp of democracy and this is the last moment that like the left the center 
the independence, city council itself, the right, the far right, all of them, all of them have renounced democracy and have ushered in a terrible new age of municipal fascism. No point in voting next year, I guess. If there even will be a vote, Ian. True. Who's I to think say? With that, we need to talk about some big explosions yes. in this week's Vancouver Auto. So... On April 5th, 1958, the Vancouver Sun reported on the Ripple Rock explosion, calling it, quotes, the biggest non-nuclear peacetime detonation ever. The peaks hidden just below the surface at low tide have menaced West Coast shipping since the Narrows were first charted in 1792, end quote. This was a big fucking rock in the middle of the straight and it was quite a pain in the ass because it was just far enough below the surface at certain times of the year that you could not see any waves breaking over it just a little ripple but it was a giant fucking rocky outcropping under the sea that would rip your boat apart yeah it was noted even by explorer George Vancouver in 1791, describing it as one of the vilest stretches of water in the world. It's literally called an underwater mountain on Wikipedia, which just sounds really cool. But, you know, we spent a long time as a country going, how we get rid of it? And so they figured out, you blow it up and you take a lot. Yeah. And so there is a marvelous old archival footage of this that we will link in the show notes but they basically just packed this this rock with like tons and tons of explosion basically it was a 150 meters of vertical shaft on the island 720 meters of horizontal shaft to the base of the rock so they're digging under the ocean and then they drill up into the rock for the explosives there were 1270 metric tons of Nitromex 2H explosive placed in these shafts, which was estimated about 10 times as the amount needed for a similar explosion above water. Water, of course, being heavier than air. And 635,000 metric tons of rock were blasted into the air shortly after 9.30 a.m. This spewed debris at least 300 meters into the air and it landed on both sides of the narrow. You can see from the video that we'll link to that it fills the entire narrows. The blast increased the clearing at low tide by to about 14 meters. Basically, it just cleared. It let boats go through here without <laughs> worrying about running into this underwater mountain. So one, th one thing that I have to disabuse people of is the fact that the song Ripple Rock from Stan Rogers probably isn't going to be about this Ripple Rock. I mean, it's not specified in the song, so there is no canon in Rogers Land, but presumably they're talking about a similar but more local rock on the East Coast that was used by shipwreckers to lure ships and salvagers to basically get what's aboard. So still, it remains one of the largest artificial non-nuclear explosions, although there was apparently some thought about doing it nuclearly. Nuclearly. Nuclearly by nuclear weapon discharge. Uh, <laughs> leave it in. 
all the things you, they could do in the 50s or would do. Yeah, that's the other thing. Okay, this is just a total aside, but in, in addition to the possibility of excavating uh, Ripple Rock, they also thought about digging a new Suez Canal up through Israel, out into the Mediterranean Sea, from the Persian Gulf instead of the Red Sea, by planting 53 nuclear bombs in the Israeli desert and then detonating them all at once and digging a canal in a day. I'm sure there would be no bad ill consequences to there would be no action. problems mercifully they chose not to do that nor blow up uh, ripple rock instead they used just just an absurd amount of of explosives to metric uh, eradicate a mountain we'll find out next october if the npa used enough explosives to eradicate their party yeah my my bet is that they have gone, you know, they certainly, they've certainly planted a few charges. It'll, only time will tell. Thanks everyone for tuning into this special emergency edition of the Canby Report. We will be back sometime soon with another episode. There are 558 days until the Vancouver Municipal Election and no time up until now has that been clearer. But today we're in it now, everyone. We were joking for the last couple months when we were talking about the number of days, but now there's actually a race on. Good night. Let the games begin. Good night. <laughs>